Welcome to the Do Till Sermons podcast, a ministry of Do Till Church in Cranberry Township, PA. Each week we share the message from our Sunday services. Be sure to click subscribe and follow along every week. Today we come to the final message in our series on the Ten Commandments, which uncovers how the commandments serve as blueprints for abundant life. The message is titled, The Invisible Sin, and is based on Exodus 20, verse 17. Hear now this week's message from Senior Pastor Tom Parkinson. Fill in the blank. If only I had blank, my life would be so much better. You got some things to put in the blank? Maybe a better house or a new car or a better paying job or a better set of friends. I don't know. We all have things that we could fill in the blank. We've all spent those days daydreaming about what could be if only we had. Or how many of you have ever played that game where you rank the things you would buy if you ever won the lottery? Do you do that? You've got your prioritized list of all the wonderful things that you would buy if you just only had blank. Well, it can be kind of fun to daydream in that way. It's innocent to daydream in that way. But if we're not careful, our desire to fill in the blank can lead to some problems. It could lead us to adopt a mindset that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. It's amazing how daydreaming about things we want can quickly devolve into feeling a sense of jealousy or envy about what others have. We're feeling discontent with the place where we are and becoming unhappy overall. And I wonder, what's the dividing line between innocent daydreaming and damaging discontentment? The dividing line is a covetous heart. Coveting is the invisible sin that happens deep in the recesses of our hearts, and when we covet, our innocent daydreaming devolves into drudgery. We've been preaching through the Ten Commandments, and we arrive today at the final commandment, the Tenth Commandment, you shall not covet. And this is unique among the commandments because the other nine commandments are all visible. We can be caught stealing, lying, misusing the Lord's name, but nobody will ever catch you coveting because you can't see it. Coveting happens in the secret places of inward attitudes, and yet it is a sin that is no less damaging than the sins we can see with our eyes. Now, what is coveting? Simply stated, it is having a strong and disordered desire for something or someone that belongs to another. When we covet, we have desires that are too strong, desires that are distorted. Now, to be clear, it's not sinful to have desires in general. God made us to be people with yearnings and passions. But when we twist those desires, we can have a covetous heart. And it's in those moments that we either desire the wrong things, or we desire the right things, but we desire them in the wrong way. I'll give you an example. Imagine your neighbor 
buys a brand new BMW. And you look at that car and you think to yourself, that is a nice car. Wouldn't it be fun to drive that car? Well, that's a natural response. That's a normal response. You've crossed the line from daydreaming to coveting. When you look at your neighbor's BMW and you think, wow, what a nice car. What did he do to deserve a car like that? And what's wrong with my life that I can't afford a car like that? Life's not fair. Woe is me. I've got a terrible life. You see the difference? Now, my son Isaac informed me this morning that nobody covets a BMW. What they really covet is a 2022 Shelby Mustang GT. That's what they covet. Or how about imagine this. Imagine the young boy who wakes up on Christmas morning. And he opens his presents with happiness and joy until he looks and sees what all his friends got for Christmas and he determines that what they got is better than what he got and he makes the leap to saying, well, if they got better, then their parents must love them more than my parents love me and it's not fair. That's a coveting mindset. You see, what coveting does is it assigns a meaning, value, weight, and significance to material things that's just way more value than they're actually worth. When we covet something, we assume that having or not having is the measure by which we determine the value or quality of our lives. And it's a lie. You know, most of the times when we covet, our coveting begins by playing a comparison game. We take a look at what others have, and then we take inventory of what we have, and if we feel like what we have isn't equal to what they have, we determine that to be some kind of reflection of whose life is better or who's more valuable. And the thing about a comparison game is nobody wins a comparison game. Because you will always find somebody who has something newer, something nicer, something shinier than you. And if you've got to compare yourself to feel better about yourself, you're never going to be satisfied. And yet, we live in a culture that's consumed by the comparison game. How many of you have ever felt the pressure to keep up with the Joneses? We do this to ourselves all the time. We look at what others have and we feel pressured. Like, I have to have the things that they have in order to be happy and healthy and have a good life. And that comparison game is paralyzing. Jeff and Nancy, it's okay if I pick on you for just a minute? You guys made a decision a few years ago that to be faithful to God's call to have a balanced life in your family and for Jeff to have more time that he was going to switch jobs. But you knew switching jobs meant changing your standard of living. And Nancy, what did you tell me when I said, how did you do that? You got to stop paying attention to what everybody else thinks. Right? You got to stop comparing yourself to others. And when you let go of that, it's freeing, isn't it? Because it means that I don't have to live up to what somebody else has anymore. I can just be grateful for what I've got. You see, it's okay to notice the things that other people have. It's actually normal to notice that. But when you see something that someone else has, you know how you should feel? Happy for them. Grateful for them. 
Coveting looks at what somebody else has and then becomes ungrateful for the things that we have. And we've all done this before, right? You drive through that neighborhood with all the nice new houses and you think to yourself, ah, oh, what do you got to do to live in a house like that? I live in a dump. Well, do you live in a dump? Probably not. Or you scroll through Facebook and you see the pictures of vacations that people are going on and you think, oh, what do you got to do to live the kind of life to go on those vacations? I never get to go nice places. Really? You never get to go nice places? The comparison game always makes us feel ungrateful for what we have, and it kind of sours our soul. And that's the nature of what coveting does. Now, the Scriptures teach that coveting might be an invisible sin, but it's actually a really dangerous sin. It was the brother of Jesus, James, who warns us of the dangers of coveting. Listen again to what James says in James chapter 4. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have, you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. James says that when we covet, it actually frays our relationships with other people. At the core of so much quarreling and fighting between people is a covetous heart that's so concerned to compete in the comparison game that it is no longer able to show love for neighbor because it's hyper-focused on filling in the blanks. What is more, not only does coveting harm our ability to love our neighbors, it damages our relationship with God. James says even our prayer life gets messed up by coveting. We ask God for things, and in our covetous desires, God says, I'm not giving you that. You've asked out of a wrong motivation. You have a disordered desire within you. Coveting damages our relationship with neighbors. It damages our relationship with God. And if you don't believe me, ask King David. Do you remember David's great moment of coveting? When he saw Bathsheba the wife of Uriah, bathing on a rooftop, and he coveted her in his heart. And that coveting in his heart led David to break three other commandments. He broke the eighth commandment by stealing another man's wife. He broke the seventh commandment by committing adultery with her. And then he broke the sixth commandment by killing Uriah to try to cover it all up. And what does David's story show us? The dangers of coveting, because coveting is the gateway sin. Most outward sin began first in a covetous heart. We desired something the wrong way, or we desired the wrong thing, and that came out of our heart and into our actions with a violation of one of the other commandments. And that certainly is what happened to David, and it's what can happen to us. If you leave a covetous heart unchecked, sin lurks at your door, and you will do things and say things that hurt other people. And so the commandment against coveting is a commandment for our own good. Well, you might wonder to yourself, 
How can I avoid a covetous spirit? How do I remedy the sin of coveting? And the answer is that you need to cultivate two virtues in your life. The virtues of gratitude and contentment. When we cultivate gratitude and contentment, coveting flees from us. What is gratitude? Gratitude is being thankful and appreciative for that which you do have in your life. When we covet something, we focus on the blanks. When we're grateful, we focus on all that we do have. When you have a grateful heart, you're appreciative of what's in your life. You don't take for granted the people and the things that God has given you. And here's the thing. A heart that's full of gratitude cannot be envious about what others have. A heart that's full of gratitude overflows into gratitude for what others have. You can't be grateful and covetous at the same time. Beyond gratitude, we can cultivate contentment. What is contentment? It's being satisfied with the circumstances of your life. Contentment doesn't mean that you have all the things that you want. It means that you are satisfied that your life is enough. The reason we can be content is because we've been given the gift of Jesus who pours out his grace lavishly upon us. We've been given forgiveness for our sins. We've been given a living relationship with God through Christ. And in him, we have the promise of eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you have that, what more do you need? Contentment comes when we realize that God has given us enough and we don't need anything else. We don't deserve anything else. We can be satisfied with what God has already given. And when we cultivate gratitude and contentment in our hearts, we avoid coveting. And coveting is the gateway sin. And the less we covet, the less we'll sin with our outward actions. There's probably no greater example in Scripture of someone cultivating contentment and gratitude than the Apostle Paul. Remember that in Paul's earlier life as a Pharisee, Paul had a lot of things. He had material wealth and he had power. And when he met Jesus, he gave those things up to be faithful to Christ. And when he became faithful to Christ, he started preaching the gospel, but he didn't have as many material riches as he used to. And he certainly didn't have the comforts and luxuries of his former life. He spent many a nights in prison because of his faith. And yet Paul learned the secret of gratitude and contentment. Listen to his words in his letter to the Philippians chapter 4. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Paul learned contentment, and in learning contentment, he found life, abundant life, even when he didn't have all the things 
that he wanted. You know, I confess that there are times in my life when I have a covetous spirit. There are times when I can get hyper-focused on what I don't have and when I become obsessed with filling in the blanks. And it's in those moments that I know I need gratitude and contentment in my life. And so there's a little mantra I learned that I like to tell myself in those moments when I'm coveting. There's no greener grass than the grass upon which I stand. There's no greener grass than the grass upon which I stand. There's gratitude in that statement, isn't there? There's an acknowledgement that the place where I stand in life, there's good here. God has blessed me here. Not everything's perfect. Not everything's the way I would want it to be. There's still struggle and trial and hardship, but the grass I'm standing on, I'm thankful for. More than that, there's contentment. I don't have to go somewhere else to be happy. I don't have to go somewhere else to be satisfied because the place where I am in life is the place where God is. And where God is, there I have enough. There's no greener grass than the grass upon which I stand. You know, it's the beginning of November, which means we're about to roll into the holiday season. Thanksgiving and Christmas and all those bring with them are just around the corner. The holiday season, in theory, should be a season of gratitude and contentment. But what we know all too well is that the covetousness in our hearts can rear its ugly head at this time of year and ruin the holidays. And we've all felt it. We play the comparison game at the holidays harder than we play that game any other time of year. We worry that if we don't have X, Y, or Z, we can't have a meaningful holiday celebration. And the result of that is a discontentment in our hearts that can make the holidays quite stressful, hectic, and burn us out. There's a reason why credit card debt goes through the roof this time of year, because we think we need so many things to have a good holiday. Well, maybe God has dropped the 10th commandment in our lap at the beginning of November for just this reason, to adjust our expectations going into the holidays this year. With gratitude and contentment, we can have a great holiday without fulfilling every want that we ever had. Our kids can have a great Christmas without mom and dad having to break the bank to do it. Because at the end of the day, what really matters and has value in our lives is not the material things around us anyway. There's nothing we can buy that will make for a perfect Thanksgiving feast. There's no present under the tree that's going to make our kids know how much Jesus loves them. That's already been given to us. And when we show gratitude and contentment for the life that God has given us, then we can have the best holidays we've ever had, free of the stress of what happens so many times. These Ten Commandments are, after all, architecture for abundant life. When God calls us not to covet, He's doing that for our own good. And when we cultivate gratitude and contentment, we will find our experience of life to be fuller and richer than it's ever been. And so it's with joy that we obey the 10th commandment. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you that in Jesus Christ, you have given us 
all that we need and more. You've blessed us with an abundance of grace. You've blessed us with more people and material blessings than we can count. And while our lives aren't always full of all the things that we want in Jesus Christ, we have everything that we need. And so God, free us from a covetous heart. Help us to be grateful and content for the life you've given us. And for this, we'll give you thanks, honor, glory, and praise. In the name of Jesus, our Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Dewtail Church. A great way to respond to the message is to click on the discussion guide in the episode description. The guide is designed to help you reflect on the sermon individually or with a small group. We'd love to have you join us at Dewtail Church for our weekly worship services. We worship at 9.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings, and you can worship with us in person or live online at dewtailchurch.org. Please join us on the podcast for next week's message. In the meantime, may the Lord bless you and keep you.